You're listening to I Am Sherry Goodall, the podcast about starting a business as a midlife career woman. Conversations with friends, reviews, ideas, and random thoughts. Now here's Sherry. Welcome to the I Am Sherry Goodall podcast. My guest today is Bruce Johnson, the owner of Avatar Salon and Wellness Spa, and he is the president and founder of the Avatar Wellness Foundation in Silver Spring, Maryland. Bruce has been in business for over 20 years and has crossed national and international borders as a go-to stylist. And today he's gonna sit down and talk to us about what he's done as a businessman and to be able to survive in the business that he has for over 20 years. Welcome to the show, Bruce Johnson. Let's just jump right into it. What is making you jump out of bed these days each morning? Um, well, I'm not jumping out of bed too much right now because of the COVID-19, but, um, you know, health and mental wellness mainly, you know, that, that, that helps me, yeah. that makes me jump out of bed, you know, um, but I'm getting plenty of rest. <laughs> That's the one thing, but, but, you know, excited you. about, excited about reopening and planning, you know, the rest of the year, how, what that looks like, um, worried about, you know, what the government is going to do to help out uh, small businesses. Um, you know, and, that, and that's, about, that's about it. You know, we're just trying to keep our heads on straight. I got to keep my staff motivated. You know, that's hard right now because, you know, they want to work and that's a first. <laughs> but, you know, yes. it's, it's a matter of keeping everybody motivated and everybody going, you know, so that we do, when we do get through this thing, we can um, full steam ahead, you know, go full steam ahead. So let's let's take it back a little bit because you know the the introduction really doesn't tell all of the story. It gives all your accolades and all of those things, but and I know the story, but I want you to tell the story. How did you get into being a hairstylist? <laughs> yeah, well that's odd because you know um, I was in college and this I went to, I you know I was getting my hair cut every week at the time before going to college, but uh, in college I got my hair cut by. Um, a barbershop and it was a it was a um it was an Asian woman who cut my hair and she really did a number on it, really jacked it up, you know. So <laughs> you know, my, my girlfriend at the time uh bought me some clippers down um when she came to visit and some little $14 clippers from you know McCroy five and dime. I'm showing my age now, right? Um <laughs> and I just started cutting my own hair and then like other people on campus was like, well who's cutting your hair? You know, and I started cutting other people's hair, you know, and it just it just took off from there. You know, I started cutting the whole all of all the people on campus, you know, became a big thing. Right. It became a big thing. And then we have known each other since high school. So right. you were at Maryland. I was at Howard. And um, now this is my version of the story. So you tell me if, if you remember it this way, too. <laughs> and then you you decided that you were going to actually start pursuing uh, cutting hair. And for, for people who don't know, you were in school for engineering, isn't that correct? Yep, I was in school for engineering. I was very bored with it. I loved it in the beginning, but I became very bored with it. And I really got excited about doing hair and making people uh, look better and create you know better looks on individuals. So I decided one summer 
um, on break to go to cosmetology school. And from that point, you know, I never looked back. You know, I just yes. you know, went to cosmetology school, then started competing around the uh, region, around the country, and then around the world. And then I just started getting all into hair full-fledged. You know, I really loved it. Well, and, and you know, you know this, but my listeners, um, they don't know that I used to be a, a kind of long-haired girl until I sat in your chair and I became a short-haired girl and never went back. And you, were one of the, <laughs> you were one of the early guinea pigs, you know, <laughs> the big no. chop, big chop guinea pig, but, you know, we got through It was those. a big chop, but you know what? Okay, in all fairness, it was. It was a big chop. I went from, like, what, just about below my shoulder to above my ear. Right. Yep. And I remember it. everybody in the salon that day was like, oh, my God, your hair is so cute. Do you remember, Bruce? Yeah, I do. And I, I do. burst out in tears. <laughs> crying. I said, my homegirl is crying, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, weeping. Crying. And you were just like, shut up. You're going to make people think you don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you got a beautiful face, it's hard to mess up somebody's hair. I got to be honest with you. And so. Oh. You were you were easy target, I should say, you know. <laughs> well, thank you. And you know what? So let's talk about that. Over the years, you actually became known for your cuts. Like people were traveling long and far to get to you because yeah. you are the master at a good haircut. And there's nothing yeah. like if you never had a good haircut, you don't know. Until you get one, and then even yeah. when it's a bad hair day, the hair still is hitting. It falls in shape. Uh, the cut is everything. I wish more black stylists would, would get more into cutting. I was trained um, under the Vidal Sassoon Academy in Santa Monica, California. Um, I did some training in London and in Canada on cutting. And then once once you once you get into that arena of cutting, you understand textures and more and better. You understand styles better and you don't worry about actually styling the hair as much because you know your haircuts are going to last and for for clients like you for say who know how to do their own hair you know what i mean like you've never slept on that like you know it, it's you you your, your hair demands a good haircut you know yeah. because you got to be able to follow it at home and so it, it just means so much you know it's crucial but Let's talk about transitioning because over the years you you've become more than just a hairstylist. You are a master barber and you're also a salon owner, right? Yes. So yes. What what does that matriculation look like? What does it look like? What does oh, it mean a, to be a master barber and then moving into ownership? Yeah, that's incredible. You know, I was a barber first. That was like the first thing I did. And then I went to cosmetology school and became a hairdresser. And then um, you know, the transition was good. It helped me understand hairdressing better by starting out as a barber and understand textures I learned, learning how to use clippers versus shears. Um, and then becoming a salon owner, to me, um, it's just like going in business. It doesn't matter what business you're in. You underestimate what business is when you have employees, you know, because a lot of people fail to get knowledge on management. And that's huge. It's just huge. And so that's where my biggest learning lesson was, you know. I had the skills, I had the art, but coming in and learning management on not just your everyday people now. These are artists, so it's a whole it's a whole different, you know, scheme of things. And there's no book written on managing artists. There's, nobody's ever right. done that book, you know. So, but to be in business, my own business, um, 20 years as a salon owner, 
you know, I've gotten pretty good at understanding people's needs, what motivates yeah. them, you know. So that that was that was my biggest lesson. And um, when I first started, I had a consultant that told me that my original staff will not be with me in six months, you know. Wow. So I started with the staff, and I thought my staff was pretty damn great, you know. But in six months, she was right. They were all gone because what you understand in your first six months of business is you, you develop your culture, your business culture. And that was the biggest and hugest lesson that I learned, you know what I mean? How to um, develop people to go with the culture of your business, you know, how to, how to pick those folks as opposed to, you know, just picking talent, you know, because, you know, I can build the talent in most cases if you're a hard worker. But how do I get people to understand that, you know, working for me means you got to be kind to the guests coming in. You got to be a really hard worker. We'll do anything for them. You know, um, we have what's known as the mom treatment. Uh, and, and that's pretty much what customer service is for any business. Treat every customer as if they were your mother walking through the door, you know. And so we have that mom treatment mentality going on there. And that's what really keeps us solid and in business for the duration that we've been in business. What do you think the consultants saw at that time that you did not? Um, like what made she, the consultants say that? Well, as a consultant, I, I would I would hope as a consultant that you had actually been through this a few times, right? So she had, and she had worked with much huger salons than mine, like, uh, you know, multi-million dollar salons, you know, and um, she really, really understood what it was that happens during that uh, first six month period. You know, I thought she was crazy. I thought I had a great staff, you know, um, but, and they are great people, but they just didn't fit, you know, what I was developing there. And she told me that I didn't even know in the beginning what I was going to develop. You know, it's just something that just has to come in time and you got to understand what you're worth and what's more important to you when you're servicing people. That actually brings me to the next question. How have you developed or changed since then? I mean, in 20 years, I'm sure that your mentality about the business and, and expectations of it have, have grown. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's, it's been a huge uphill climb because, you know, first of all, you know, you know, I was bringing in the most money. I was making the most money. So it had to be a point where you have to start spending more time developing other people. And I mean, that, that probably is the biggest learning lesson for, for the 20 years. The, the, the time and the amount of energy I had to put into making other people see the worth that you saw in them. You know, uh, a lot of youngsters between the age of uh, coming out of cosmetology school are between 19 and 25. And a lot of times they don't understand, you know, what they want in life, you know, and you know, my job as, you know, boss or big brother or, you know, you know, positive figure is to just guide them in the right ways and understanding real life things, you know, health, mental wellness, saving money, um, increasing your knowledge on what you're doing, uh, skill set, always reading materials outside of the salon and help you gain the knowledge, you know, going to classes and stuff, making yourself better, you know, and um, that was yeah. that was a huge, huge thing, you know, in those 20 years, you know, putting that much energy into other people because I hadn't done it up to that point, you know, but um, it, it's it's so worth it as, as a business owner, you know, I've learned to do that, you know, developing team. 
And, and your excellence has shown up. Let me just share with people a little bit of what that looked like in the last 20 years. Your personal client list, right? Just your personal client list include people like Aretha Franklin, Mickey Howard, BB and CC Winans, uh, former Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice, former Secretary of Labor Alexis Herman, presidential advisor Valerie Jarrett. I mean, you know, the list goes on and on. And and then on top of all of that, you know, you've been featured in, in magazines like O Magazine, Vanity Fair, Wall Street Journal, um, you know, Black Enterprise. You have this thing down to a science. So if we had to really talk about, because I think you're humble about it at the same time, but I know <laughs> the beast that you are. And yeah. so... That being said, like, what what do you do to manage um, promoting your business? You're at a point now that when you have a client list like that, people call you. You don't have to go looking for clients, right? But prior to that, what did you do? And now, how do you manage marketing yourself as as the superstar? <laughs> you know, you know, you know. I'm every day. I, you know, I do not claim that superstar. I mean, I love it. I love it that you know you claim that. But it, you know, I, you know, I am humble. I love. My humble beginnings, where we I come know. from, you know, uh, and I will go back there right. in a heartbeat. <laughs> but um, right, you know, right. It, it's a it's a matter of um, understanding, you know, giving a genuine service to a person, you know. Um, you when I first started, you know, someone told me the best marketing is word of mouth, you know, and I've I've developed that solidly, but um, you know. You know, I read one of the best ways I love to market is, is by doing like articles on what I know. You know, um, you always share a lot of stuff you know online, and I'll write an article in a minute on what I know, and I'll just submit them to magazines, and people will read them, um, consumers will read them, and then they will call when they're in town, or you know, and that's how I picked up some of the people I picked up. You know, work did a lot of contract work for Essence magazine back in the day and Ebony and different places like that. And, you know, people have really like responded from those, you know, short shot ads that I didn't have to pay any money for just articles about what I know, you know, submitting photos to different magazines. That's always been a winner for any hairdresser, you know, um, you know, I used to call different photographers. I would call them mm -hmm. photographers. And I would say to them, um, as we speak on marketing, I would call them and say, hey, you know, I'm a local stylist. Um, I want to give away some hair services for some headshots of anybody you're doing. So if you ever need a hair man, you know, I would love to do that. In return, I just want some headshots, you know. And that worked out really well. So I got to work with a lot of photographers in there. Every time they started doing photo shoots, and a lot of times they were doing them for magazines or different weddings or different things like that. And I would be called in to do the work. I got into a huge wedding. Um, market organization um we used to meet once a month it was a group of like photographers videographers catering um hairdressers makeup artists and so once a month we meet and we talk about strategies for the whole year and that was huge marketing because a lot of times these weddings would man they were plentiful man i mean you would you would go in and do you know 10 to 15 people sometimes and you know that that's huge and that's another side of this industry yeah. that always that always developed you know so that was great marketing um I used to, um, one of the biggest things, I think you told me to do this back in the day, but I used to make um, alliances with people in the area, like gyms, local gyms, um, mm -hmm. different places. And I would go over there and, you know, talk hair or bring my massage therapist with me and they would do chair massages. 
And every turn yes. they could come to, they would come to the salon and they would hand out flyers on their gyms and their um, restaurants and stuff like that. So we was always making community alliances with people in the area. So that was huge for marketing. Um, but you know, I, I just love marketing that's face to face. You know, my 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 biggest marketing tip to anybody just starting out in my industry or just starting out pretty much in any industry is like, I would go after people whose hair looked jacked up. And this is a huge secret though, but I would, I would, I would walk up to those people on the street and I would give them two and three cards and like, please come see me when you need your hair done. You know what I mean? And, you know, sometimes they took it offensively, but a lot of times I would say, you know, Hey, you know, I'm learning just as much as the next person, but I, I really would love your business, you know? And um, I think that's one of the things when I, when I talk to millennials, <laughs> I'm hard on millennials, but when I talk to millennials, you know, they they communicate so much, you know, face to face, like online and stuff. But they have the hardest time walking up to somebody on the street and saying, "Hey, I do hair. Hey, I'm a makeup artist. I would love your business." It's like this humbleness thing that doesn't enter their bodies, you know what I mean? And that's that's to me is the best kind of marketing, you know. Yes, yes. Well, you you actually have some other. Um things under your belt as well. So you are an Aveda salon. Um, what does it mean to be an Aveda salon? And then also, can you talk a little bit about, um, you were a platform stylist as well, hairstylist, and what mm -hmm. that means. Uh, to me, that that always had me in awe with you mm -hmm. because I was like, wow. And, and I can tell you this, I have dropped your name in circles and then, you know, to other stylists. And they were like, you know him? Like, yes, I do, I do. I know him, that's my friend. But I mean, it's a big deal to be a platform stylist, especially at these huge shows. So yeah, can you give yeah. people a little background about why that's such a big deal and what that looks like? Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, first of all, the Aveda, to be a Aveda concept salon is huge. Um, when um, American Salon and Salon Today magazine, which is a top industry magazine, when they put out top 200 salons in the country, they do that every year, um, about... 50 to 60% of those salons are Aveda concept salons because Aveda puts behind their name everything there is to developing a business today in this industry. And, you know, when you're in, you're all in, you know. So that's that's a huge plus because our retail went up, our retail sales went up about 80% when we became an Aveda concept salon because, you know, you're, you're list, listed on their website. So when people are visiting or in town, they come to your salon. Um, outside of that, it's just been a lot of just... Um, networking that's been huge around the country around the world actually um and <clears throat> platform artistry is huge um you know it's it's like one of those things where you know it takes away your fear of doing hair like any hairdresser shouldn't be in fear of doing hair in front of people because they do it all the time in front of people but to get up there and talk about what you're doing is like you know that's huge you know to be able to describe what you're doing and um one of the guys, when I first started doing platform artistry, I, I used to work for Barry Fletcher. And, you know, we would, um, Barry would say, you know, I don't, sometimes I don't care how well you do hair. I'm more interested in how well you sell the service of what you're doing, you know, because it's all marketing and advertising once you get up on that platform. So make sure people understand what you're saying and what you're doing. And don't take for granted that they already know the easy stuff. Talk about the easy stuff. And be able to explain that easy stuff to them, and and that, and that's been a huge thing. I mean, I used to work for L'Oreal, and um, that was huge with them as well. Because then I started, you know, talking to different cultures, 
Um, but I would be explaining whatever I'm doing to different cultures. And that's that's a huge transition for a lot of people, you know. If I'm doing uh -huh. some black hair and trying to explain to another culture what to do with this black hair, I had to make that seem like it was ABC, you know, and really simple, like 101, you know, and it, it, it was huge. And, and, and also to make it fun and interesting. You know, you got to be an interesting person talking. You can't be real bland and you got to be exciting to them. You got to look great and, and look exciting and look your best all the time. And it was a lot, it was a lot of pressure, but it was a lot of fun, a lot of traveling. And, um, yeah. you know, I mean, to me, I always relate my industry to any industry. And, you know, if you're just going to work and coming home, you're not getting out there doing industry shows and learning things about your industry. Because uh, when I go to a hair show, um, not only am I out there doing platform artistry, but I'm also out there taking a class or teaching a class about everything like marketing my salon or, you know, developing the right clientele, the professional client, you know, and things like that. It's so much more I get from it to bring home. When I get home, I'm excited about it, you know, and, yes. um, you know, that, that means a lot. It really does. You also have um, the uh, the Avatar Wellness Foundation, and then if I remember correctly, you have an organization that you've been putting together of salon owners and just kind of mentoring them. Can you yeah. can you touch on that a little bit? Sure. Uh, the foundation was something I did when I first opened up because I really believed in um, you know giving back to the community. So you know. I not only wanted to be a for-profit organization, I also wanted to be a not-for-profit organization to share, you know, what we were earning off of this community and giving that, putting that back into the community. And it was all about, um, one of the things at the time that were really hitting our industry when I first opened up was uh, AIDS and, you know, the whole AIDS epidemic and everything. It's gotten so much better these days, but um, I decided to to fight with the University of Maryland, they had a program up there, the University of Maryland Hospital, um, which fought pediatric AIDS. And we were able to uh -huh. develop um, over $20,000 in funds for them, for their program. And this was a program that was designed when it first was created to take kids to a quiet death and a com comfortable quiet death into creating a lifestyle for a lot of these kids that were growing up now with AIDS, you know, as, as time developed and everything, as, as um, medicine developed and they were able to keep these kids alive. So it was also this, it was, it was creating, you know, this whole lifestyle for these kids, which had never been done before that, you know, so we were a part of that. And I was really proud of that. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. The organization we created um, for black salon owners, uh, we, we, uh, I decided to reach out to some colleagues and, and, which I which I felt were like professional um, salons, you know, ones that did things in a professional manner um, and had a lot of professional clientele that I knew about, you know, and and so we all decided to have lunch, get together, and we started talking about, you know, uh, and we came up with a name called Industry United, and we started talking about all sorts of things. We had a whole agenda of things, you know, new employees, marketing, um, you know, I mean, we had so many things on the table, uh, signing leases, you know, um, oh. we, we were able to help each other out. I can't even begin to tell you, we've been, we've been together over a year and a half now. We've been able to help each other out in so many ways. You know, it, it's, it has been, it has brought tears to our eyes. We've been, we've been incredible. And I'm just mad that after 30 years of doing hair, this had never been done like this before, you know, and, you know, wow. to be able to 
sit down with us line owners and not look at them as competition, but look at them as an aid in your fight and your and your growing strength. You know, uh, uh -huh. most of the time I would have to get information on how to run a successful salon from the other side. You know what I mean? Um, you know, I had to go to hair shows and different little networking events from the other side. And I would learn from, you know, all these other salon owners on the other side, but I never learned from a lot of African-American salon owners. But now I'm able to do that. I'm able to share my knowledge with them. And we bring so much to the table, you know, classes, courses, <clears throat> we do styling events. Um, you know, it, it's really been magical, you know, and I hope it grows. I hope it, you know, it grows around the country. Oh, that's awesome. So what's next for you? Um, that's a big question. And after this, this COVID-19 um, virus hit, my wife asked me that the other day and I said, wow, I can't imagine not doing hair, you know? Um, wow. Yeah. You know, I mean, I love, I'm very passionate about it. So, you know, I'll probably be doing it till I'm a hundred. Whoever will come sit in my chair at that stage. But, <laughs> you know, I, right. I, I want to I do more, you know, advocacy, more nonprofit work, um, you know, different things around the industry and also in the community. Um, you know, I wanted to do some volunteering with uh, inmates, you know, teaching some hands-on classes, you know. Yes. Um, you know, I wanted to do some stuff with, uh, you know, battered and, and, you know, bad youth that was coming up. You know, I wanted to reach out to them, you know, because, I mean, you know, my old neighborhood, you know, you know, if you were a friend of mine growing up, you know, you know, a lot of my friends are like either dead or in jail or, you know, right. or locked up, you know. So I wanted to really talk to kids about hope and, you know, dreams and, you know, how, how to fulfill those dreams and, and keep life moving, you know. Yeah. And we, you know, what? And in fairness, we grew up in the same neighborhood, in the same mm -hmm. area. And it wasn't a bad neighborhood. We just came up in the 80s where there are a lot of kids and, and families that were lost to crack mm -hmm. and kids mm -hmm. that got caught up in hustling because that was the thing then, you know? Um, yeah. So yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's interesting. Um, with that being said, it sounds like you don't plan to ever retire then. <laughs> You're just going to keep it moving. Uh, yeah. yeah. You know, I don't, I don't like that word a lot. You know what I mean? I, I plan to never look really old. I mean, all this gray hair, I usually disguise that, but, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to retire, you know, I want to look as good as you like forever. You know what I mean? So, uh, you know, it's, flattery it's, just, will get it's, you everywhere. <laughs> it's just a matter of, um, in here, your mentality and your heart, you know, there's always something for us to be passionate about. You know, we got to find that love yeah. and, and continue through life with that love, you know, and not think about yeah. the money per se, but think about, you know, the heartfelt passion of what you're doing, you know, that's the biggest thing. Well, I, I have to, I think I said thank you, but I want to thank you again, because uh, I think the last time I saw you, we had lunch and we were talking and I, I was like, Bruce, like, all right, I quit my job. I started a company. I sold everything I own and I'm driving a hoopty, like a, a $3,000 car that I found on let go. And you said, good. You said good. That's the way it should be. And I was yeah. like, 
this is harder than I thought. And you were like, yeah, but you're going to be okay because that's what you got to do is live lean. You're going to be all right. And so I don't know if you noticed, um, because it's been a minute now that I think about it since I've seen you in person, but I'm now bending the corner on my third year of business. I'm I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm turning the corner into three years now. Mm -hmm. So I'm very Mm -hmm. excited. Um, It's been a journey, but it's not something I would ever turn back on. And um, and I absolutely love it. Thank you for the example that you've set as a business owner and for being such a great friend. So I appreciate that. Yeah, it's a matter. It's a to me, you know. Um, and I've I've had that conversation with a lot of my clients and people um, with with being laid off and in business, and they would have never found themselves or what they could potentially be if it didn't yes. happen to them. You know, and that, that's I think that's huge. I think it's huge because you wouldn't have been as focused on developing this whole concept you got going on if you were still working there, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And I was saying to someone earlier today, um, just this whole COVID-19, you know, stay in, stay in place has really actually allowed me to be more creative. And if you're an only child, you're really loving it right now because, you know, only children, we know how to entertain ourselves and stay in place anyway. And just like we make games out of anything yeah. and just be completely content and happy. So, yes, this yeah. is a place of creation. I, I don't, I don't be, really be understand people that are bored. Right. Yeah. yeah, and be creative, you know, and it's like, my brother was 17 years older than me, so I was kind of like an only child, too, so, you know, I feel yeah. you on that. Definitely. Yep, yep. So, where can people find you online and, and get some of those wonderful Aveda products and all that good stuff? So, we're at www.avatarwellness.com, and you can click on the Shop Aveda button, and you can buy anything you want from there, or you can visit the salon when we open back up. And um, we have um, Instagram, Avatar Salon and Wellness Spa. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm gonna be doing some tutorials on at-home styling and stuff, you know? And, really? And I'm, I'm gonna use my wife. She don't know yet, but I'm gonna use her. And then- Oh, um, I think I just got an exclusive. Did not know this was <laughs> happening. Yeah, and at Facebook, Avatar Wellness, Avatar Wellness, Avatar Salon and Wellness Spa on Facebook too, you know? So awesome. most of the things we found through there, you can talk to me directly most of the time. So, you know, hey, we're available. We're there. Do all this, you know? Yes. So I like to end the, the podcast and the show with something that I call rapid fire. Okay. And rapid fire is just a series of a few quick questions. Nothing big, but you just answer with whatever comes to your mind first. You ready? Okay. Yep. Okay. Coke or Pepsi? Uh, Coke. All right. Uh, sneakers or Tim's? Uh, sneakers. I like to run. Okay. Favorite thing you like to, favorite thing you used to like to do as a child? Oh, wow. <laughs> um, play baseball. Play baseball. I don't think I knew that about you. All right. Yeah. Favorite time of day? Uh, mornings. I love the mornings. Yeah. I'm a morning person. Awesome. Well, that is it. And I thank you. I love to play that game because you learned something about people that you didn't know. (laughs) And, uh, you know, thank you again for being a guest. And I I love to have you come back anytime. Definitely. I'm, I'm always open to come back. Definitely. Thank you, Sherry. Thank you so much for listening today. 
be sure to leave a review or drop me a message with your feedback. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast, follow me on all social media, and watch this episode on my YouTube channel. You can find me everywhere at I am Sherry Goodall. And if you like what you're hearing, donate in the Anchor FM app or through Patreon so that I can make more content like this for you. And until the next time, be bold and unapologetic. And always remember, I said what I said and I meant it.